Welcome to the Take 6 Podcast. Hello. What's up, everybody? Welcome and thank you for listening to another episode of the Take 6 Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking all things Toronto Blue Jays. It might get a little bit sad. It might get a little bit somber. So while you're listening, maybe throw on that Game 5 Raptors W on in the background just to cheer you up a little bit. That might work. Me and Callum were there last night, but we're not talking about that right now. We we got to get into the headspace of sadness, of struggling, of not winning a game five. And uh, yeah, so I just mentioned Callum. I'm sure you just heard his little giggle <laughs> on, on the other line here. So Callum, my man, what's up? How are you doing? I mean, other than my throat just absolutely gone after last night, I'm doing pretty great. As a, we w- witnessed probably one of the rappers' best best games in their playoff history and uh i mean obviously we got to get into this this sad headspace like you said so i'm happy and i'm sad yeah i'm in the same boat as you there cal uh you know throat is is hurting this morning and pretty much throughout the whole day i started a new internship this week so i had to go in and like talk to my manager like the guy who oversees my stuff and i had this raspy ass voice sounding like i smoked four packs last night Uh, so i had to kind of explain yeah dude i was at the raptors game don't worry my health is uh is okay it's okay um anyways enough about that this is not a raptors podcast it is a jays podcast and currently the blue jays sit fourth in the al east the boston red Sox have unfortunately jumped over us we knew it was going to happen we just didn't know when the jays are 15 and 21 wasn't it like a week ago where they were 500 (laughs) like i swear they were 500 like last week man 14 14 so they're 15 and 21 now uh you know that 14 14 i guess they've lost seven of their last eight games eight and a half games back of the first place tampa bay rays that's shocking that they're still there i knew that they were going to be good but i'm kind of shocked that they're still there following the rays is the new york yankees and then obviously boston and then right behind us is the baltimore orioles so the jays as of late like i like i said and like callum kind of added in there the jays were 500 you know eight games ago they were playing really well some people were talking about, hey, maybe this is going to be a wild card team. Maybe they're going to be able to sneak into that wild card position, probably the final wild card position, and and lose in in one game uh, <laughs> before you know even making it to the postseason. But that was that's better than what we all kind of expected. I didn't expect that. They brought up Vlad. Everybody was fired up. They had a really good weekend right after Vlad. And then that ship kind of sunk. So, Callum, in these struggles, and like, I know it's kind of everything, and we we talk about this pretty much every podcast, it feels like, which ones are most concerning to you? Is it the pitching? Is it the defense? Is it the, is it the hitting? Or what, what do you think? Uh, I mean, the lack of offense is just, it's a lot worse than we expected like we've gone a bunch of games in these past eight games where we haven't even gotten a run which is really bad especially for a team that was hitting super well in like 12 games prior to those eight games and 
Uh, I think the pitching, obviously, we can talk a little bit about why Stroman is struggling, but everyone else seems to be struggling too, except for like, I mean, Thornton has been pitching well, um, but Sanchez has just been off as of late as well. Other than the bullpen, I think the pitching has gone downhill quite drastically in terms of uh, just the starting pitching. Uh, compared to the beginning of the year when we were number one in the AL uh, and one of the best in the league in terms of ERA and, and innings pitched, I think. Um, but it's nothing we didn't expect. Like, I think after that 12-game stretch where we became 500, you and me both said that don't expect big things from this team because they're going to go back into their old way of not hitting well and losing games and they've shown during this eight game stretch that that is what's happening is that they can't they are not going to be consistent uh and by consistent is drastically changed uh, well they are either consistently bad or consistently good so <laughs> so inconsistent <laughs> inconsistent cons oh what's the word inconsistently consistent consistently no. inconsistent yeah there you go there yeah you go. yeah i feel that um but this is kind of the thing that happens with, with young teams, right? Like you see it in every single sport, whether it's basketball, hockey, football, baseball, soccer. It just happens. Young teams, they haven't been around the league that much. They don't know how to deal with, you know, struggling and, and all this kind of stuff. They haven't seen as many different pitchers. They haven't seen uh, all the different lifestyles. Maybe you're traveling a little bit more and that and that helps you struggle. And then once you get into that stretch of, you know, of, of poor play and poor games and not winning a whole lot, then you are more prone to, you know, keeping that up until maybe there's one game where they, where they do go off. But I do think that is a, a testament to their youth. And that's kind of, that's what these teams are going to go through, right? It's a rebuilding team. They're, they're going to go through a lot of growing pains. And this is just the first taste of kind of what we're, what we've got, because like I said, at the beginning of this show, that, they were really good at, well, not really good, but they were way better than our expectations coming out of the gate. And then they had that really nice run where we were like, oh, maybe that's a wild card position team. But now they're kind of hitting us back into reality. It's like, yeah, maybe not. Maybe this team isn't kind of what we what we thought they were going to do. And you you kind of mentioned the hitting and, and runs and stuff, Calendly. They have two runs in their past three games, right? And and that's not something that you like to see out of any baseball team, whether you have the good pitching or not, right? Like they have, they've been shut out their past two games and then their last game in Texas on Sunday, they did end up scoring two runs. But even in that game uh, on Tuesday, which was last night, recording this on Wednesday afternoon or evening, I guess, Sanchez pitched a really good like Sanchez pitched a a really good outing and it was wasted by this horrible offense and and all that kind of stuff. So I mean I hate to say that this is disappointing because like we kind of knew it was coming but just because of that whole start to the season and that one stretch where they were winning just about every not just about every game but they you know they won like they won 6 of 7 games there and nine of 12 right like that was fantastic and they really gave us a a sense of urgency and like you know that this team was actually really good but 
the thing is, is every team has those stretches, right? And it goes both ways. Every team in the league is going to have a good stretch of games where they win 9 of 12, where they win 10 of 14, whatever it's going to be. And then they have these bad stretches where they lose 7 of 8. And <laughs> they, they, you know, it's just some teams, it happens to you more than others on either side of this. And I think you're going to see more of these losing 7 of 8 or losing 5 of 6 in Toronto than in in most teams just because of that rebuild just because of how young these guys are once you know they don't know how to really adjust to a certain style of pitching once they get figured out they can't figure out the other team quick enough in order to respond and i just think that you know it's going to happen right their their pitching has kind of regressed back to the mean like you said their callum with shoemaker out they still don't really have that fifth guy um Thornton pitched. Same with Barucky, Barucky yeah, too. yeah. Thornton pitched a a pretty good game. Panone got lit up. Buckles got lit up. Stroman got lit up. And I guess we can talk about uh, Stroman here because that's on our on our docket as well. And like, I know we we have the same theory here with uh, why we think Stroman is struggling. So, Callum, you wanna you wanna take that off here? Yeah, of course. Um, the thing that me and Hunter have both said about Stroman. And it's well known is that he's he plays through emotion and he's extremely emotional in game and out of game. Like you can tell it during his interviews and all that, that uh, anything said about him will go right. Like he'll take it all in. And as like he was the best pitcher in the AL coming into two games before, like, like he his last start and the start before that two games before that, like or before those two games, he was the best pitcher in the AL and one of the best in the league. And then the rumors started that they were shopping the vets of the Blue Jays in Stroman, Sanchez, and Smoke. And as soon as that was put out, boom, he was just getting lit up. His pitches were off, um, just giving up bad hits. Like, it just plays through what is said about him. Like if something bad is said about him, then it will go right into his head that, Oh, like I'm not good enough or like, what's the point of even playing well, if I'm going to get traded or anything like that. And it's definitely shown these past two games that right after the trade rumors came in, that he started to play bad. Um, I guess you could say the same about Sanchez, but he also had a good outing uh, last night. Other than that first inning, um, but yeah, I think Strowman is. Uh, you just gotta. I don't know how the man. Like you and me were both talking about this. Like I don't know how management has not figured out that you can't say stuff about Strowman, especially when he's pitching so well. Like you just gotta keep your. Just keep it to yourselves, you know. Like it. It just doesn't make any sense that you would risk having your best pitcher play bad because you want people to know that he's being shopped around, and then yeah, all it's this, like. Well, it's yeah, like no sh- no shitties being shopped around. This team yeah. sucks. You're gonna sell anything that you can <laughs> if you can get good value. That like when they came out with that, it's like yeah, of course that's what he's, happened. He's and, probably the best thing on this team. Yeah, like of, he's pretty young. Like, literally, he's not that old. People were saying that before the season started. Why did you have to say it ten games into the season? Yeah, we're gonna trade this guy. No shit you're going to trade him if something good comes along. Like, of course he's on the trading block. Anybody but Vlad right now is on the trading block and and those guys in AAA. But, like, why? Like, I don't understand why they had to come out and say it. It's like, who are – what? Like, what? What are you? Gonna, what is the media going to do for you? Is the media going to trade something for 
Strowman. Like, are they no. going to go to a different team and tell them about a trade? Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm going to trade six year old Tommy and seven year old Jacob from my little league team for Marcus Strowman. Is that good? <laughs> like what? I don't understand what these guys are thinking. And, and we saw it last year when Strowman was doing his arbitration case. And it basically came out that the Jays ripped him and they're like, yeah, he's not worth this money. He sucks. He's really bad. Yada, yada, yada. And he came out and he sucked and he did suck. He really did play bad and he wasn't good at all. And then he comes into this season, obviously all that's behind him and he worked really hard in the off season and he starts killing it and then bang, trade him, (laughs) trade him. And I'm, and I'm in the boat. Like, even though I, I wrote something the other day where I was saying like, yeah, I'd rather not trade him, but I'm in the camp. Like, Trade if if you get a good package and they want Strowman, get him the hell out of here. Like get any I love Strowman. Strowman is probably, you know, my second or third favorite Jay right now. And you get rid of him if a good enough package comes along because that's what this team is. That's what this sport is. You need to trade your pieces for value. And Marcus Strowman at the time, when they said, Yeah, he's on the shopping block had probably the highest value on this team. He was the best pitcher in the AL. Like you said, anyone would have wanted him. And like, I think even if you do trade him, he's going to come back and be like, yeah, all right. Well, that was just the Jays that don't like me. Obviously, you know, it's probably going to be the Cleveland Indians you trade for him and we get some butt back. But like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't, That's I don't really. looking right now. Yeah, like I, they, it, we said this literally as soon as, as soon as it came out, that they they put him on the block or whatever, or he he was on the block. He's been on the block all season, right? We knew that. Everyone knew that. The Boston Red Sox knew that. The 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 Kansas City Royals knew that. The Houston Astros knew that. Every single team in the whole league knew that he was on the block. But as soon as it came out in the media, you, I I remember me and you talked about it, and we were like, yeah, he's gonna suck the next few starts. I guarantee it. And we and what has he done? What has he done? Sucked. He's sucked these next few starts. Uh, so a few more struggles that I kind of want to get into, which, uh, I am not liking is, uh, Freddie Galvis kind of coming back to earth after his injury. And then, uh, Eric Sogard, he's still hitting the ball well, but it's, uh, it's not like he's hitting over 400 anymore. He's kind of regressed back to the mean in these past few weeks with the rest of the team. Which of these two guys, uh, do you kind of expect to get back up to? Cause obviously Galvis was hitting fantastic before his injury. And uh, and Sogard, uh, he was kind of hitting a little bit over expectations, and like I don't think he'll be able to keep th- even this pace up. I don't think he'll be able to keep it up. But which of these two guys uh, by the end of the season do you see kind of having that better average and being like, okay, yeah, that guy was a really good hitter this year? I think it's going to be Sogard, but Galvis can definitely come back from what he's been doing since the injury. I think that the injury, I don't know if it got to his head, but like he, he came back and he just started hitting bad. Uh, I think he'll get tr- like he'll get back not to the exact same level because he was hitting amazing. He was hitting like 356 over like the first, like I don't even know how many games, but he was hitting really well. And then, uh, but I think Sogard is definitely going to be, uh, he's going to have that good average by the end of the season just because he came to the Blue Jays and then all of a sudden he was the best first uh, like first at be- like first hitter in the league I think and like he was hitting over 400 like you said he had that the secret power where he would smack some first 
like at bat home runs. And then it kind of started dipping. Like he hit, he got struck out two games ago, I think, for the first time in 48 plate appearances, which was the longest active streak in the MLB. And he struck out, I think he was looking as well, um, which was pretty bad. But I think he won't be hitting 400. But he'll definitely be hitting somewhere in the the mid 300s. I think he just he's just shown that he can constantly hit, and I think that's going to carry on throughout the season. Well, the the thing with both of these guys is like their averages are fairly similar. Like Galvis 247, Sogard 242. I'm going to go with Sogard as well here, basically just because of his uh, his OBP because his OBP in his career is it's only 20 points better than. Freddie Galvis's, but it just shows kind of a a more patient approach at the plate uh, in, in most of his at bats. Like he has in in seventy two plate appearances, he has sixty at bats, and that's because he has ten walks. And and Freddie Galvis, on the other hand, in one hundred thirty plate appearances, only has like he has one hundred twenty six at bats, and that's four four walks only. Right, so his batting average is two seventy right now. His OBP is only 292. Meanwhile, with Eric Sogard, his batting average is 350 and his OBP is 443. And I know his is a little bit of a smaller sample size. He's only played 16 games this year, where Galvis has played 33. So it's it's a little bit of a smaller sample size for Sogard. But just like you said, he's having that really patient approach at the plate. He knows that there's some some good uh, there's some good pitch in the league, and he's he's always had that good approach he's been over 300 for the obp quite a few times in his career i mean he's never really played that many games like his his best obp was in 2013 uh 322 when he played 130 games so like he's been there before he he's done uh he's done that kind of stuff before he's been in the league a little longer he's four years older he's probably coming to his senses now being like yeah no one else is really going to get on base here so i might as well uh get going to it. So I'm, I'm with you there with, um, with Eric Sogard kind of being able to keep it up, not necessarily at, at 350 or 400, but kind of keeping it around 300, maybe 310, 320. So Cal, as we know, Vlad Jr. has been up, but what we're going to do is we're going to do another Vlad update. I'm sure everybody wants to know. I'm sure everybody does know what he's hitting, his exact numbers, how many, hits how many at bats how many plate appearances batting average obp slugging i'm sure everybody knows that because he's been so watched and everything that sportsnet sports center tsn espn is talking about when it comes to baseball is pretty much vlad jr but cal you want to take the reins here and give us a vlad update yep um so for the first time in vlad update history on this show it's going to be a bad Vlad update, unfortunately. Um, so coming into the MLB, he has played, uh, or as of right now, he's played 10 games with 37 at-bats and only six hits um, and one RBI. No home runs yet. Uh, also having 11 strikeouts compared to four walks, which was pretty insane Like considering how um throughout his entire like young career he's always had more walks and strikeouts and uh that's a pretty big difference for strikeout to to walks uh i think 
that he obviously you have to get used to the MLB pitching because it's a lot better. They're a lot smarter. They're like they throw harder. They throw better, better, just better pitches in general. And I think he has to get used to that. And yes, because he was so patient at the plate at such a young age that he has to try. He has to bring that back. I don't he I think he really just wants to hit his first home run. Uh, but he shouldn't be trying to do that. He should be trying to go for for that average that everyone has known him for, like those huge averages in every single league that he's played in, except for right now where he's hitting a 162 and only has a 244 on base percentage, which is also really low for him. Um, other than that, the good side is that he's playing really good defense for someone that no one thought was going to be good at defense. It's kind of the opposite of what we thought would happen with Vlad is that he's hitting bad, but he's playing really good defense. He has a hell of an arm. He can toss that thing across the diamond really, really fast. And he also, uh, like we haven't, see, like we saw a couple diving plays, I think. And like he can, he can move for, for being a big boy. And uh, so hopefully he can keep that defense, but also get his hitting up, which obviously he will. It is just like, it's in his blood. Like I, I heard something the other day that his dad actually had a terrible start to his career as well. He hit like some close to like what he's hitting right now. He's like six for 27 or something. And uh, obviously his dad's in the hall of fame now. So hopefully it's something like that where he's just having a slow start to his career and then coming back strong and hitting like a monster. Like everyone knows he is. Yeah, I everything you said, I I agree with, except for maybe you know obviously defensively he has been good and he's shown flashes, but he still has made those. Uh, you think he's made two errors already uh, mm. in his career so far, which hasn't been great. But and then they were on like some fairly routine ground balls. Uh, but even then, like he'll be able to patch that up, I'm sure, because he has shown obviously, like you said, his arms really good. He has many throwing errors. It's just kind of him not staying down on the ball enough, kind of kicking it around, which is fine. He's a young guy. And the big thing that's kind of come out of his struggles are, do they think that they're going to send him down? And it it seems like if he keeps up his struggles, he's not, uh, he's not playing tonight. He's got the, the bench task tonight. He might come in for a pinch hitter as a pinch hitter if they need it. But Callum, what do you think of them sending Vlad down after the amount of time that he's been up here with his struggles? I think it's pretty fast to send him down, especially for a player of his caliber. I think you don't have to play him every game. I don't think that is what you have to do. I think you can sit him like they're doing tonight. Uh, but I think you can just keep you can keep him up and just put him in. Because uh, we have, like we've talked about in previous episodes, there's a bunch of players in the infield that you can put in that role. Uh, like Drury is a third baseman um, when he played for the Yankees. And he played third base for us before Vladdy came up. And I think you can definitely just swap the two out whenever you see fit. And give Vladdy not like a rest, but just not playing every single game, not having all that pressure on him. Would uh, I think it would do good for him? Yeah, and and like you said, since we have so many guys that can kind of play that third base spot with the kind of utility guys that we have, I don't know if it would necessarily hurt to just have him maybe DH for for a couple games here and there, even if that means Rowdy Tellez might 
you know, get a game off or if Justin Smoke might get a game off just because if he just focuses just on hitting, maybe he can hone down on his approach and really find something that works for him. Setting him down, I mean, every so many players that have been in the Hall of Fame and who have had amazing careers have been sent down after a couple weeks. Like Mike Trout was sent down. Uh, like like you said, Vlad was sent down. David Ortiz was sent down. And all those guys, are, those are some of the best hitters that we have in baseball ever. Like Vlad was one of the best hitters of all time. David Ortiz, the best hitter of our generation. Mike Trout, the best player of our generation, maybe of all time. And like, I uh, I don't have an issue really with him with them sending him down at all because it just maybe he just needs to recalibrate and and maybe get back getting back to that approach that he had when he was in AAA or or AA will will help him be like. Oh yeah, why am I swinging at a bunch of these pitches? Why am I striking out looking when I can hit the ball this well? And and obviously it'll be an adjustment coming from AAA back up to the majors. It, it happens, but it won't make him worse than he's been. I don't think that's possible, <laughs> really. <laughs> but like, I I don't know. I I wouldn't hate it. Like if his struggles continue, maybe throughout this week and maybe up until the weekend, if he isn't doing very well, like maybe you can send him down. Um, at the end of the weekend, if if anything, and then have him come back up in a week or so if he tears it up, which he probably will, down in uh, down in Buffalo or wherever they they send him to. So let's move off of this depressing stuff and move <laughs> on to something a little happier. Uh, nice right-handed pitcher, the relief pitcher Sam Gavilio, has had an incredible start to his 2019 season we had him last year he only made uh you know 26 appearances he started in 24 which is actually quite a bit pitched 132 innings had an era of 531 coming into this year i didn't really know what to think of this guy he's 29 years old he's only really been in the league for two years He's been traded around a couple times. Uh, he was in Seattle to Kansas City. Now he's in Toronto. And I think he may have found a home. He may have found where we need to put him in terms of getting this guy comfortable. And that's in the bullpen. He has come into this bullpen. He has not started a single game. He has come into the he has come into this season and he has a 113 ERA. I'll say that one more time. 113 ERA, Callum. That's nuts. <laughs> In 24 innings pitched, 24 strikeouts. He has a .542 whip, so he's only letting on half a batter every inning, basically, that he pitches. Are you confident that Gavilio is going to be able to keep this up? I mean, it's kind of like, obviously, we want him to, but we won't know if... Like, he's pitching super well that I think he will continue, but obviously, anything can happen with pitching. Pitchers can go through slumps, just like hitters. Um, like look at Chris Sale. Guy is one of the one of the best pitchers in the league and he has sucked this year and that's something that no one would have expected. Uh but I definitely think that Gavilio can keep this up. Uh if nothing happens like last year where they just start overplaying them and then they get injury prone and just so much stuff happened last year that you don't want it to happen to the pitchers this year because they get worn out and then good pitchers turn into bad pitchers and you don't want that because that it hurts the team and it hurts them as well. It hurts their ego. It hurts uh, just their overall like 
just thought process, you know, like if you're pitching super well like Avilio and then all of a sudden you're going to have you're starting to pitch every single game for long stretches of time because your teammates are injured, then you're going to get worn out as well and possibly get injured. Uh, so I think if the pitching can stay healthy, that he'll continue to do well. Yeah, and you made a really good point there when saying like that they don't get overworked. We've mentioned this basically every single podcast since season started is that the starting pitching has been really good. And then this week and, you know, past about 10 games or so has kind of gone to shit and it they haven't been doing very well. They've been getting out uh, of games very early and that just puts more pressure on the relief pitchers. And, and you made a good point there when you when you said that, because I think that's maybe going to happen. And if he does start pitching poorly and he kind of does regress back to what he is, is used to doing and what we're used to seeing from Sam Gaviglio is that if he has to pitch a lot of innings, he's probably going to give up a lot more runs and he's probably going to struggle a little bit more. The fatigue will set in both mentally and physically. And, you know, we've seen it throughout his whole career. Him being a starting pitcher is not as successful as him coming in for one, two, three innings in a game just because by the end of that long stretch of uh, of innings, whether it's five innings or six innings or seven innings, whatever he is, he starts getting hit more. There's, there's more hits throughout, you know, the second and third time uh, batters are starting to figure him out by the second or third at-bats. And I think that's probably going to end up happening. The, the fatigue will set in if the starting pitching can't, you know, pick it up a little bit. And, and if the relief pitchers have to keep coming in more and more and more and more like they have been in the past 10 games or, or so, then, yeah, I think that's where the issues are going to start coming out, which I don't want to see because he's been he's been playing so well. And that's kind of like the the I guess you could say Cinderella story of this season with Gavilio pitching so well, but I don't know. I want to see it. I don't know if it will continue just because of the starting pitching. I think it's one of those, you know, variables that is affected by, uh, it's dependent on what the starting pitching is going to do as well. So lastly, Callum, before we get to our performer of the week and predictions of the week, we'll move on to a, a bit of a fun topic, I guess you could say one year ago to this day, we are recording this on May 8th. Um, one year ago today, in 2018, Roberto Osuna was arrested. Um, there were kind of grumblings in the morning that he, well, you know, there was police activity involving Roberto Osuna. Nothing really came out of it. We didn't really know until later on in the afternoon that it was a assault charge that he was being uh he was being charged with and still we didn't really know the full story we didn't know whether it was a girlfriend whether it was someone at a bar uh, or, or whatever it was and then we found out that it was a domestic violence thing he was suspended 75 games by the MLB under their domestic violence uh, act or whatever it's called and the Jays were kind of like yeah we're gonna move off of him because we don't really like this in our clubhouse on our team it, re- it doesn't look good on us in such a diverse country in such a diverse city we don't really like that kind of stuff then they traded him on july 30th to the houston astros for the main pickup there was ken giles and then there's a couple pitching prospects that came back who haven't really amounted to anything quite yet hopefully they are able to to come up and make be impact players at some point 
Are you a fan of this trade now that we look back on it? I mean, it's not necessarily a year to date from this trade, but it's about nine months to date from this trade. Are you are you pleased with the deal that they were able to make in terms of get what they got back in Ken Giles and the prospects? I mean, I, I guess overall, I would say I'm happy with it because we got Ken Giles, who has been a really good closer for us. Uh, but I'm still, I don't, I, I would like to have seen him on this team still. Obviously, we don't know the full story. The charges were dropped, I'm pretty sure. They weren't, they weren't like dropped, they were dismissed. So, like, mm-hmm. they, they kind of made, like, it didn't come out, but I think they probably made an, they made an agreement for basically like, it's like a peace agreement. I don't yeah. know if any money, like if any money was settled through it, but I'm sure it was when it usually, yeah, that's kind of how it, it happens. They kept it locked up. They didn't really say anything. Um, but obviously Osuna was one of the best closures in the league when he was playing with us, probably second or third behind like Brighton and, uh, What's that guy's name? Kimbrell. Uh, but he was on his way to becoming one of the best, and he was one of the best closers in the game. because, And he was so young, too. He was 21 when he was with us, 22. And he was already, he broke so many records for how young he was and how many saves he had gotten and all that. And then that came out. And then, obviously, I think you and me both said, yeah, they're going to trade him for sure. Because uh, what was his name? Who? What's his name? Our old shortstop, who also had domestic violence uh, charges. Jose Reyes. Yeah, Jose Reyes. That's the same thing that happened with him. He got traded. So I think that we both knew that Osuna was going to get traded because of what happened. Uh, Obviously, you and me weren't too happy because we did know. I mean, we were not happy. And we were also like, yeah, I guess like he did that stuff. So he's kind of a bum for doing that. But... It's also sad to see your best closer and best pitcher in your bullpen go on such a bad, like so, on such bad terms. But I think, over, yeah, I'm definitely happy with it overall because Giles has been so good for us. He he did have the longest active save streak in the MLB uh, coming into the season. He kept it for a little bit and then he did lose it, but he's been pretty good since we've acquired him from the Astros. So overall, I'm. I'm happy with what we got. Yeah, I uh, I think that's probably the best return that we could have got in terms of like filling the position of what we traded away. And I think with Roberto Asuno, he fits the timeline of this team better since he's only 24 years old and Ken Giles is 28 years old, I think. So... I mean, that's kind of the only part where I I really am like, uh, I'm kind of iffy on this trade. But other than that, like the return that we've gotten in, in Giles is, is more than I expected. He has, he, well, I think it was like 36 straight saves uh, is what he had before he, he lost it pretty recently. And you know what? That's pretty much all you can ask for. Obviously, uh, Roberto Osuna was that really great uh, closer and he was going to be he was up basically he was on course to being one of the best closers in in the game and he was going to be that number one guy for a long time and and you know what he has been that guy for the Astros this year he's got eight saves he is a 0.59 ERA 
He had a 1.99 ERA last season in the last few games that he pitched there with the team. He's probably going to be an all-star this year. He's going to be a perennial all-star. He might be an, you know, he might win other awards. He might do other stuff, but I think he, you know, with the track record that was given there and the domestic violence, I think that's more of a, it's more of a uh, ethical question rather than a talent question at that point, because we all knew he was good, but it's hard to come in and, and, you know, have respect for a guy. And especially in a rebuilding stage, you don't want to be able to build a culture of allowing that kind of stuff to happen with your other young guys, which I think they did very well in terms of trading them and getting rid of that negative connotation that was going to be brought up with this team. I mean, a lot of people forget about that stuff, but then there's those people that don't, right? If something bad happens, then, you know, God forbid something happens again with Osuna in terms of the law. And uh, it's going to even be, be more repercussion, more, uh, more suspensions, more time off, all this kind of stuff that would hurt the team in the long run. Hopefully that never happens. I don't think it will uh, based on, you know, how he's acted afterwards. But you never know. It happens once. It could happen. It could happen again. So in the end, you know, I think we got the best return possible with Giles. And, you know, I really don't care about the the prospects that we got because they may never come up. They If they do come up, chances are they're not going to be as good as Osuna. Like, I highly doubt it. I doubt they'll be, you know, the talent level of guys that really are going to help us win games come you know four or five years down the road when we when we really need to start winning and and start the end of this rebuild phase but yeah i mean it's it's fun to look back on things like that and well i mean not the (laughs) the fact that he got arrested and stuff but it's fun to look back at kind of trades and where we are now and i think you know it 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 was one of those things to to not to start the rebuild but it was that first move where like yeah we're not scared of moving anybody off of this team uh to kind of like help us build in the right direction. And I think it was more of a culture thing rather than talent, because obviously Osuna is going to be uh, a top three closer, if not the best closer in the whole league, probably for the next five, six, seven years. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we'll move off of that column and we will go into our performer of the week. He's the guy who stood out to you the most, whether it's something that he did or if he, how well he played for the entire week. If it was just one at bat, one one thing that happened, one game, whatever it is. Callum, I'll let you start on this one. Who you got? Oh man, it's kind of tough because <laughs> there's not much, not many players have stood out. I mean, I'm gonna have to go with Sogard just because he's still hitting decently well, um, and nobody else seems to be doing that. So. Uh, just based on how he's still hitting okay, I'm going to go with Sogard. I like that one. I would have gone with... So I had kind of two people in mind here. Uh, one of them is not a a player, and one of them is. So I had Sam Gavilio, just because, like I said, he's been pitching so well. He kept that up this week. And then my other one is Charlie Montoyo. And that's just because he got ejected. That's, you know, the first time... He's been ejected this season as a manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. Hopefully there's more to come because it makes me feel at home. It makes me feel right 
when a Blue Jays manager is getting ejected. Gibby got ejected so many times, standing up for his players. And Montoyo did the first of probably many ejections in his career because everybody in Toronto knows the umps hate hate the Blue Jays. (laughs) It's just facts. It's just facts. Umpires hate anyone in a Blue Jays uniform. So I've got Charlie Montoyo in that one only because of that one ejection. So Callum, we're going to get into our predictions now. For this week, I guess it's kind of too late um, to do the two Minnesota games over this weekend. We kind of got lost there. But I'm up on this season. I'm winning two to one in terms of guessing per week. I won last week. This week is going to be, uh, I guess we'll record, we'll, we'll aim for recording next Wednesday again. So in that time, they have six games, including tonight's game against Minnesota. So Callum, they play Minnesota tonight, and then they have Thursday off. Then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they're playing Chicago at home. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, they're in San Francisco. What do you got? Two. I'm going to say two. Two wins. All right, you're taking... uh... You're taking my road, eh? What I, <laughs> what I did last year. I'll go. I'll go three. I think they're gonna get back into it and go three for, go three of six. You have All two. Right. I've got three. Hopefully, I can keep this winning streak alive. I don't know if it's well, really next week, alive, but if you win next week, then I gotta buy you beer. But if I do, then it's on to the next month. Yes, sir. Alrighty. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, you can find us. Uh, take6.org anywhere you get your podcast you can find us there we have a bunch of new articles talking raptors i'm having something come out about the jays uh in the next couple days and you can find anything on take6.org follow us on twitter at take underscore six for all of your annoying toronto sports tweets and then instagram as always you can go to the take six podcast find us there callum wise my man as always thank you for Hopping on is a pleasure talking to you. You too, buddy.